Hi everybody, welcome back to Out on a Tangent with the Merrimack Public Library. Today we have a very special guest. We have Jenny back with Hello. us. Hello! It's been so long. I know, when were you on last time? I think it was the first iteration of What Would You Do? So that was like a long time yeah. ago. Yeah, I haven't been invited back. Well, welcome back! Thanks! And I'll be on the next one too. Yeah. So we're gonna start and then stop a little mini-series that we're, that I decided that we're gonna do. Uh, showcasing some of the things that you can do slash obtain as a library card holder. Because library users, if you did not know, we have lots of different things you can check out, including experiences. And uh, today we're gonna talk about the Manchester Milliard Museum and the Sea Science Center, which we have passes available online for you to reserve and come pick up and you can go to both of those places for free. Sorry, I'm making a face. I dropped my sequin that I was Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm really excited about this. I've had a lot of friends work at the Sea Science Center. I've gone to the Sea Science Center a bunch of times. Uh, the Manchester Milliard, I didn't know we had a pass to. I didn't even know it was a thing until I started working here. I um, didn't either, and I went to school in the Manchester <laughs> Mills. <laughs> I um, yeah, I, I was like a kid obsessed with the mill thing, because like, I went to, what was that place called in Lowell, the Boot Mill? Yeah, thing. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like we went to that, and I was fascinated. Did you I, go on the field trip in, like, what is it, eighth grade? Did they take you on a field trip there? Or did you just go like with your family? I I, I went in fifth grade. Fifth grade? Yeah, like, I didn't go till eighth grade, and I didn't get to go. <laughs> well, some of us. Um, no. Uh, yeah, I went in fifth grade, like fourth or fifth grade. Eighth grade, we did a lot of field trips, but we did not do any local field trips. Yeah, well, because there's like the DC one, and then... sure, there's a DC, but like we went to Squam Lake, we went to oh, that's the, fun. We went to the Seacoast Science Center, which I'm sure you'll talk about later. Girl, I know <laughs> we went to we went so many places. We went to the De Cordova Art Museum and Sculpture Park. That's cool. We didn't do any of that. Like I went to a lot of places, none of them local. In eighth huh. grade. Well, they should have utilized the library pass. Truly, so. truly. I don't know if we had them. When did this? When did we start this service? Museum passes. Yeah, we've had them for a while. When I was a wee lass, uh, my mom used to check out the New England Aquarium one. Yeah, I sort of remember them having it when I was a kid. Yeah, like twelve-ish years ago, like two thousand nine. <laughs> Is that twelve years ago? <laughs> nope, more than that. <laughs> I'm like, you know Our what? listeners you know. know that I can't do math. <laughs> the amount of times we've had to do math on this show, and I just am like, um. It just doesn't work out in your no, favor. No, it never works out. The odds are not in your favor. So, today. rather than talking about the Manchester Mill Museum, because the name alone sort of alludes to what it is, you can go learn about all of the, like, trials and tribulations of the Manchester Mills. But if you look on our website, under the museum pass thing, you can go to the Manchester Milliard website, and the museum itself looks pretty cool. Yeah, they have like a giant neon sign with like nothing different... says cool like neon. I think it's cool. <laughs> um, and with some like uh, displays of like I guess like pop culture things of that time, because it was like the 1890s, so like whatever pop culture means in the 1890s. They had, there's a bunch of different displays. It's not just like 
look at this piece of wood. It's from the old mill. Like, there's more than that. Yeah, I don't know why we didn't go to Manchester, because I went to Concord, and we saw things like this. Maybe it wasn't a thing when we were younger. We didn't do that recently? Nope. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just messing with you. Uh, Anyway, so yeah, I found some interesting history from the New England Historical Society about the Amiskeg. It's either Amiskeg or Amiskog. I don't know. I'm probably going to interchangeably use them without thinking. We love it. That mill disaster <laughs> of 1891. So, uh, at 9.30 in the morning, August, August, October 15th, 1891, Marcus Gould, a superintendent at the Amiskeg Mills in Manchester, New Hampshire, went hunting for engineer Samuel Bunker. What was going on with the steam power at the mill, Gould wanted to know. The delivery of power from the great shaft that ran mills 4, 5, 7, and 8 had been erratic all morning. Bunker replied, There is nothing that I know of, but we'll see. With that, he headed for the pit that housed the Amiskeg's power plant on the ground floor of mill number seven. He never uttered any other words to another soul. Moments later, the mill exploded. So, like, my mind just, like, spiraled hard. Because, like, mills were exploding, like, left and right. Right? Because we have, like, the t-shirt factory fire. We have, like, all these things, right? No wonder why, like, great-great-grandparents were like, I lived through blah, 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 blah. I'm so desensitized to pain because, right. like, my brother Billy just whatever. But then I'm also thinking, like, oh, wait, life today. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. You know? The Industrial Revolution was a wild time well, in history. Yeah, sure, but also, like... <laughs> Peer into the future with me, if you will. Okay. Like, what does it look like for, like, the technological revolution of things, you know? Yeah. And, like, how we go, like, with more electric cars and we're looking for, like, alternative energy and, like, this whole wave that we're currently part of now because, like, Elon Musk just bought Twitter, you know? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, it's it's just bananas to me that, like, this this is our current reality and, like, when you really pause and think about, like, our current reality, it's bananas. But also, like, their stuff, like, maybe, like, chill? Yeah. Maybe, like, maybe it was chill when they were living it. And yeah. And they're like, oh, if we actually stop and think, bananas. Yeah. Yeah, and the so the reason why this particular mill exploded was because of this new invention that was called a Corliss steam engine. A new okay. invention at the time. <laughs> the Corliss had starred in the 1876 Centennial Exhibition in Pennsylvania 15 years earlier. Mm-hmm. The exhibition kicked off when President Ulysses Grant and Brazilian Emperor Pedro II, I guess, jointly <laughs> started... It's either Pedro II or Pedro II. I'm assuming it's Pedro II. <laughs> Uh, jointly started a massive cordless built express- expressly for the event. The engine delivered power to virtually the whole exhibition using shafts of more than a mile long. So if you think about it, this mill had like basically how we have like underground electricity today. Hmm. I think is the only like modern comparison. Okay. If you're looking for a visual like giant tubes underground and in the in the water of like over a mile long that's just like 
using steam power to just like shove extremely hot water all the way to the mills from all over the place. Huh. And they didn't necessarily know all the ins and outs of physics and stuff at this point. So they you know, the it comes with risk, but I don't know if they knew the risk at that point of like, oh, this could definitely explode from the pressure. Or maybe it was like, uh, yeah, it comes with risk, but like, <laughs> what's a couple more bodies? <laughs> I'll get into that in a second. You're not even going to just wait. I can't wait. Okay, so the exhibition made the Coral Ascension virtually a household name, so everybody knew about it. And then it apparently it, it was one of the leading industrial engine designs in America. And it got its name from Frank Corliss of Providence, Rhode Island. Shout out. <laughs> you definitely descendants listening to that. Uh, yeah, so... Oh, that was on out of tangent. <laughs> <laughs> the Amiskeg ordered one, and it was installed in 1883. Amiskeg's Corliss was the largest in the state and probably New England. It could deliver 2,000 horsepower to the mills. I like the probably New England. <laughs> New England Historical Society really did their homework. I love that so much. Probably New England. <laughs> We're not too sure. <laughs> this video is not... This video. We're Good. not... This podcast <laughs> is not sponsored by the New England Historical Society or the Manchester Milliard Museum. Also, uh, <laughs> we're really not trying to shake you too hard. No. I'm very grateful for you, New England Historical Society. You made this research a lot easier. Uh, okay, so the mills were in Manchester were powered by water from the Merrimack River, which... If you've been to Manchester recently, it's the river that's flowing in front of all of the old mill buildings and under the bridge. <laughs> I thought you were just going to stop it. It's the river that's flowing. And I'm like, well. <laughs> it's the only source of water in Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> Rough. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Lift gates closed or opened to keep the right amount of river power flowing so the Corliss didn't run too fast. Okay. And at low water, the engine could exclusively run on fuel. The belts, on the, the belts on the flywheel of the engine could be slackened or tightened to keep the engine from spinning out of control or overheating. Clearly not enough. Following Marcellus Gould's injury, engineer Samuel Bunker descended into the pit in the bottom of Mill 7 to see what went wrong. Both Gould and Bunker realized the belts were overheating, but they didn't know why. Marcellus Gould, a troubleshooting mill manager, had worked at facilities from New Hampshire to Connecticut before the Amiskeg Mill disaster. At one time, a one-time state senator, Gould had an eye for constructing facilities and a knack for making mills profitable. He Is that worked, a requirement for senators? I guess in 1891. Okay. <laughs> you gotta know how to operate a mill. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he worked to generate sales of the latest fabrics while managing the revenue streams from worker housing and keeping wages in check. Bad. <laughs> Paying the employees terribly. After asking Bunker to check out the power plant, Gould stepped into a tunnel that ran between the mills to return to Mill 5, where the inconsistency of the power had been slowing the work of Cardiners. He had gone halfway along the tunnel when the Corliss blew apart. I, I can't even imagine, like, I can't even imagine you're just, like, walking through a tunnel and all of a sudden... Something just explodes in front of you. Well, okay, so, like, that's the thing. Like, there are... <laughs> conspiracy theory. Um, but, like, there is, like, that whole thing. I don't know. I watch BuzzFeed Unsolved, not Spawn, but, like, watch... Shout Buzz out. <laughs> Truly. Shane and Ryan. Uh, 
my loves. <laughs> Gabby loves them too. Yeah, I got her into them. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I make everyone like the things I like. Uh, but no, they like did an episode on like spontaneous combustion. And like yeah. people have like spontaneously combusted. I know. If you've ever seen the movie This is Spinal Tap, that's a <laughs> nope. really old movie. It's um so if you know the director Christopher Guest, he did a lot of like the famous mockumentaries with Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara. Okay. From Schitt's Creek. Yeah. So there's this one movie he did before like before he got Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy on board. He wrote it with Eugene Levy. He was not in the movie. Anyway, it's a mockumentary about this fake rock band called Spinal Tap, and they were talking about how they went through a bunch of musicians and they were like, "Yeah, our old drummer, he just exploded." <laughs> Like, right in the middle of a performance. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I completely forgot where that tangent had stemmed from. And then I'm like, oh, right. Here we are. Yeah. The spontaneous combustion thing. I'm but not like, a film major. And Sam was. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a paper about Christopher Guest for, like, my senior capstone. Anyway. I took a whopping one film class. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's go back to this story of the mill exploding. Let's go back more than 130 years. You can do the tour right now. I I, mm. I mean, you can't, but, like, you could if you wanted to. <laughs> no, but I had things to add later about the tour that I think are applicable to this. Okay. For those of you who don't know, Jenny was previously an Anheuser-Busch tour guide. R.I.P. R.I.P., yeah. I missed the tour center. Uh, anyway. <laughs> no, Second, okay. we're going to go back to the story now. All right. <laughs> We really live up to our name. Seconds before the failure, an assistant engineer had looked through a window at the Corliss engine ro- in the Corliss Corliss engine room and noticed the flywheel turning at an excessive speed. Sparks flew from the 42-inch wide main belt around the be- around the wheel. The assistant was cutting power to the Corliss when it failed. Can you imagine they do like a lifetime movie of this and then they just play like Taylor Swift's like Sparks Fly? <laughs> No, that that Miranda Cosgrove song, yeah. Sparks Fly. <laughs> <laughs> like it just sounds like terrible enough. It like the happen. idea, or like the Celine idea. Dion, like my heart will go on. No, because exploding. that's already Titanic. That's so synonymous with Titanic. Yeah, well. So I I think it's gonna like they're gonna hit up our girl Swifty and just be like, <laughs> they can't afford Taylor <laughs> Swift. <laughs> They can get Miranda Cosgrove. They can't afford well. Taylor Swift. <laughs> okay. I don't think Hallmark Channel can afford Taylor Swift. I think they could if they wanted to, but they wouldn't choose to. They would get, like, a taller, swaft-type character. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I think like that's a, what would happen. Like a Taylor Swift. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, anyway. In the moments before the Amiskeg mill disaster, the power supply was getting more and more unstable. Carding machines to the south of the power plant were stopping from inadequate power. At the same time, looms operating on the northern side of the Corliss were operating too fast. The looms shut down as they reached dangerous velocity. The shutoff mechanism on one loom failed, and it sped along at a frantic pace that no one ever recreated, either before <laughs> or after the failure. <laughs> So, you know, I'm sure people know that are listening to this. It wasn't all automated. There were humans operating these machines. So just imagine somebody's trying to just do their job at the loom. And then it starts going like 100 miles an hour. 
That's terrifying. I'm just, I'm just thinking of like the no one has recreated before or after. And it's yeah, like, because no one can beat a machine you if you're what? hand you know looming. What? I just moved my left arm. No one will ever recreate that left arm. Before or after. Exactly. <laughs> in the same movement. I love how dramatic this is. It truly is. And like, yes, I am aggressively poking fun. Uh, that is who I am. I am maybe not the nicest human, but like this is a tragedy and I do acknowledge No, that. it fully is, yeah. Um, I just want to like put that little disclaimer out. Like I, it, it's not lost on me. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> it's, we're just, uh, it's just, it's hard to believe that it Truly. actually happened, but it did and it's, oh my gosh, okay. And that like, it, not just that it happened, but like this was like more Common. or less like a daily occurrence. Yeah. That's, Horrific. Yeah, no wonder, like, people's grandparents, like, our grandparents, their grandparents. I'm like, my grandparents were, like, alive for, like, World War II, but definitely not for this. No, no, no I meant, like, our great-great, our okay. great-grandparents. I mean, us, probably not you younger listeners, but, like, I think my great-grandparents are great-great-grandparents in my case. They could have... Excuse me. They could have been mill workers. They could have been the kids that go in the mills to, like, get the loose wool out of the machine. Mine were in Ireland. I don't I don't know. Yeah. Because my great-grandparents were from Ireland. And then that's when they, like, found Broadway. But that's a whole other thing. Oh, yeah. Jenny's family is, like, very interesting. <laughs> we don't, I don't want to go on a tangent about Jenny's family, but interested, she's got some interesting stories. If we ever do an Ancestry episode... We could. We could, because that's another resource. We do, yeah. Anyway, okay. <laughs> so, going back to this disaster, let's catch... I'm going to catch everybody up. We're talking about how this mill exploded. They tried... The power operator tried to cut the power, and it didn't work, and the machines just kept going as fast as... As fast as humanly possible. That's sort of redundant, but, like, super, super fast. Faster than a pace that no one ever recreated. Beautiful. Okay. The impact of the disaster could be felt throughout the mills. First came what sounded like an enormous explosion as the flywheel on the Corliss flew apart. That was followed by several seconds of cacophony as timbers fell. Parts of the mill buildings collapsed and steam jetted out of the failed engine. Pieces of steel were flung hundreds of feet. One enormous piece of metal debris was shot 200 feet into the air and crashed back down through the roof of number seven, mill number seven. At neighboring buildings, metal shot through windows, showering workers with glass. A crew of 11 was at work on the second floor of the number seven mill. When the flywheel gave way, it threw pieces of metal upward. The second floor collapsed, dropping the workers to the ground story and falling beams and equipment. That's insane. That really is. Yeah. I and wonder. Like, that's what's... pre-hazard pay, too. Yeah. Obviously. Because the Industrial Revolution, I'm pretty sure, was the beginning of union workers? Or was that... Um... Like the very, the very baby stages of unionized workers. I wouldn't even say that. Yeah, because then so I... It's so pre-union. I'm yeah. thinking, like, I... I because unions more like 1900. Okay. Because yeah. I was thinking like, was it like FDR? But that was like way further after that. It. 
We're not historians. All I can tell you is the history of the Teamsters. And that's because, again, my tour guide knowledge. Because uh, I was a Teamster. Uh, Union 633, guys. That's also what your local police officers, firefighters, all those individuals are. Um, but do you know when the first unionized thing at Budweiser was? When you say Budweiser, are you talking about the Merrimack location or just like Anheuser in, in, Busch? Yeah, Anheuser Busch in general. Um, so I believe St. Louis had their first contract with the union in I want to say it was like nineteen. I think it was nineteen twenty-seven. Okay, so like right, sure. so like right before the Great Depression. Yeah, and then everything. Apart. Anyway, right. <laughs> let's go back to 1891. Yeah. The noise of the Amiskeg Mill disaster immediately drew workers running to the. No, no, sorry, I'm just thinking about. I'm just thinking about all of this going on in my brain. My brain said goodbye for a second. The noise of the disaster immediately drew workers running to number seven from nearby mills. Many workers had family members and friends working in other parts of the Amiskeg, and the workers were frantic to know who was hurt. The 1891 Amiskeg mill disaster was not the first for the Corliss. In 1888, William Venable, another engineer, got caught between the flywheel and the pit in which it all sat. He was mangled to death. This time, when searchers got to the pit that housed the massive 64-ton flywheel, they found that Engineer Bunker's demise was far quicker. Trigger warning. Before I read this, trigger warning. <laughs> His head had been pulverized, and he died instantly. I mean, in like a twisted way, it's good that it's instant. Yeah, I mean, it's just, like I said, the Industrial Revolution, I remember learning about it in eighth grade and being like, oh my gosh. Not in fourth grade or fifth grade? No. I, as far as I remember, I only really, like, I don't really remember a lot of my life because my memories is real bad. <laughs> I, def I remember learning about it in depth in eighth grade. Okay. I'm sure it was mentioned beforehand. See, I did the whole in-depth thing in, like, fifth grade. Like, I don't know. We're, we're the weird thing is we're not that far apart in age. No, and we went to the same elementary school. But it seems like the <laughs> curriculum got changed vastly. It, truly, because I, like we had to recreate the T-shirt factory fire in fifth grade. <laughs> what? Yeah. No, we did and not. And like do good that. old Mrs. Aquino was like helping us like toss kids like, <laughs> off like our makeshift stage. What? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> What the heck? No, we did not that do that. That was, like, the week or two before we did, like, the organ musical, where we talked about, like, parts of our body. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you meant, like, organ the instrument. I was no, like, oh. No. <laughs> like Phantom of the Opera in fourth grade? You know what? I, I hear you. No. You're looking at uh, Mrs. Tendon over here, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> not to flex, guys. <laughs> When I was in fourth grade, we did a Broadway musical thing. Like, the concert that the fourth graders do yeah. in elementary schools, we did Broadway. And Miss Aquino, God rest her soul, she's a very nice human. Yes, she oh, passed away. I did not know that. <laughs> uh, yeah, she passed away. It was very sad. In 2017, I think? It was when I was in high school. Anyway, um, we did Broadway. She had us sing 
uh, Money, Money, Money from Mamma Mia. Yep. Which is about uh, Donna. No, I mean, the song is about like a woman not wanting to work anymore and just yeah. marrying a rich guy. Uh, <laughs> and she asked us, hey, guys, what do you think this song is about? And we were like, it's about spies. Because we were that. eight, nine, ten. You yeah, know? no, the fourth graders when I was in elementary school, they did Oklahoma. <laughs> so <laughs> I love Miss Aquino. She was such a funny lady. Um, she scared the ever-loving heck out of me in first grade because she dressed up as Corella DeVille for Halloween every year. And she would, like, get into character. And little six-year-old me was not happy about it. <laughs> This is such an interesting... We're getting on, like, very interesting I know. I, I think maybe we, we're only going to have time for one. You know what? We might do a whole other episode on the Sea Science Center. Yeah. So, anyway, this is this whole disaster is very tragic. The, the article goes on to talk about more people who passed away, but... That is real rough. I also wanted to touch on another thing that I found, Some which is other very depressing. Things. It's it's also very depression. So <laughs> depression. It's very depression. Saudi. Very everybody. nice. Very nice. <laughs> very nice. <laughs> so <laughs> sorry. Uh, this is we're going back a little bit. 1888. So kids were lots and lots of kids were working in the Manchester mills. They were the only people that were small enough to get into areas that needed to be fixed or, like, unstuck or whatever. And, unfortunately, a lot of kids were killed because of the machines. So they were sent inside the machines to repair them while they were still operating. Yeah, I remember uh, we had to, again, in fifth grade, we did not go to Manchester. We were in Lowell, but we had to walk inside those machines, and they would, like, play the sound that was going on while we were in there, but the machine wasn't running. Maybe they thought, like, this is too traumatizing for fifth graders. Well, Let's push it to eighth grade. Well, listen. <laughs> uh, okay, anyway, I did not do that. I didn't get to go to the Lowell field trip because my family was going on vacation mm-hmm. for April break, and it was, like, the Friday before April break. Anyway. Gotcha. Uh, so you missed out. You I'm really traumatized. <laughs> I know. Well, maybe they didn't do that when we went. I don't know. I have no idea. So if kids were injured, they were, this is horrible, like trigger warning, big time. They were disposed of, is what I read. And their parents were told that they ran away. So like if a kid got injured in the mills, they would just. I wonder how much was like, yeah, I believe that my kid ran away versus like, Oh, okay. Then I know what happened. You know, like that understood yeah. thing. Um, but it kind of like has you hold out hope. Yeah. I don't know. That's definitely what happened when my cat ran away. What? <laughs> like I'm still like of the mindset. Like that happened like so long ago, like pre-Onyx. Yeah. You know, and I've had Onyx for 21 years. Yeah. So this cat was like two years before him. And yeah. I mean, he ran away, and in my mind, I'm like, he just, he still is just out there free. And it's like, no, no, that's not what happened. My parents told me when I was four years old that my fish ran away. Good. Our cat ate it. I really like the effort your parents put into that. (laughs) I believed him. Well. (laughs) I was not a very smart child. (laughs) They told me that my fish ran away. And you're like, yeah. They Front said checks. it jumped down the sink and went into the river because the sink ends up in the river when you put stuff in it. 
You just had your own personal Finding Nemo experience. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Finding Nemo was my favorite movie at the time, so it checked. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Nemo went in the pipe, and he made it. <laughs> he made it back to the ocean. You're like, yeah, all this is facts. It's just Gil. My He's fish in a plastic is, bag somewhere. My fish's name was Steve. He made it, you know. You named your fish after your dad? Yeah. Okay. And then we had several fish. It went from Steve to, like, Steve the fourth, and then we didn't have any more fish. <laughs> I had one fish, and it couldn't live at my house. Um, my fish's name was Rafiki from The Lion King. That's a good name. Thank you. Uh, and then my friend's name, like, her fish's name was Oogaboo, which was an inside joke. Also and solid name. Thank you. Uh, I will tell you what it meant later. Okay. <laughs> uh, but Oogaboo and Rafiki lasted a whopping, like, week. Uh so, R.I.P. And, like, I was going away that weekend. I was, like, going up to the lake house. And I get a call from, like, all of my friends in high school and, like, my boyfriend at the time. And they're like, Oogaboo and Rafiki died. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, why are you calling to tell me this? I can't do anything. <laughs> it's a lot easier to process when you're in high school. It's also a lot house yeah and you had known them for less than a week i know well the funny thing is we have a pond in our backyard and we've had like 25 like my mom bought like the 25 cent goldfish at PetSmart. oh no we've had 25 fish in our pond for like four years and they're thriving well okay so like you don't like i don't know keeping a fish in a really tiny tank is probably not fun for it why did we talk about fish? We were talking about the kids that <laughs> were told they ran away. Anyway, so the point of me telling you guys about this, uh, they were referred to as the Amiskeag Mill Rats, these kids that were sent into the mills to repair them. And if you are interested in learning, learning and diving into a little bit of a different perspective about this whole experience, there is a book. We do not have it here in Merrimack, but it is... It is available through the consortium, so you can put it on hold and it will be sent here for you to pick up. It is called Spirits of Amiskeg, the Wounded Heroes of the Manchester Mills. It is written by Lois Herman and Peter Paulson, and they are uh, spirit world communicators. I don't know what the proper term is. Mediums? Mediums. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So this is actually the thing where I had my Anheuser-Busch. Note. Oh, okay. So um, there are giant fermentation tanks in um, primary and, honestly, secondary fermentation. Mm -hmm. And the tanks are so large, and every time that they change the beer, like, a batch is done. So every in primary, every seven days. In secondary, every 21 days. Because it takes 30 days to make a beer, boys and girls. Is fermentation... Like, can you just explain what fermentation is for people that don't know? Is it, like, you turn the... When you turn... Like, when you're turning, like, <laughs> grapes into wine, like, the fermentation is what changes it into alcohol. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, uh, okay. Uh, not the tour, the abridged version aggressively. Uh, <laughs> but, like, basically, goes into the brew hall, cooks down. You create your sugars, your starches. You get, like, the really hoppy water that's going to give you the flavor, along with the different grains that you're using. Then you bring that over into the fermentation tank where, like, yeah. it's going to cultivate, like, a yeast of sort. We add the yeast to it. It's actually the same strain of yeast from the original batch of Budweiser back in the 1800s. Cool. Um, because they've kept it alive so long. And then 
hangs out there at one temperature, then it gets shot down to secondary fermentation, where it's at a much colder temperature for 21 days. Okay, and then it then it's turned into alcohol. Well, then it's alcohol. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It just has to be filtered. Anywho, all that to say, those tanks were mm, 3,100 gallons or so. Oh, okay. They are large and in charge. Yeah. Um, and the brewery had, gosh, I'm like, I'm forgetting the script, uh, but they had about 300 of them. Okay, but wow. people have to go inside all of those tanks to scrub them clean yeah. after each batch. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of work. So you crawl into like this really tiny hole at the bottom of the tank and you're in there and you have to rake out all the uh, beechwood chips because that's what they use for uh, fermentation for a Budweiser and a Bud Light. They rake all those out, which is like hundreds and hundreds of pounds. And then they like kind of have to scrub things and then they get caustic cleaning in there, which is a type of chemical. And then they do a chemical clean, but they have to like do that manual labor. That's interesting. I didn't there you know go. That. <laughs> so there's a little Budweiser t- information. This video. Oh my god! Why do I keep seeing this video? We're not recording this because you want it to be a video. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is no way affiliated with the Anheuser Busch Corporation. Jenny is just a former employee that knows the history of the company. I do not want to be sued. Anheuser Busch Brewing Association. InBev, please do not come for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. This, I'm very intrigued by this book because, yeah. so these, Lois Herman and Peter Paulson, they, the way that they cultivated this book was by um, communicating with the kids that passed away inside the mills, whether they were injured and disposed of, or they were killed in the process of trying to repair the mills. Yeah. And um, it's, it's just, basically, it's just a bunch of stories that they have cultivated from conversations with these kids who have passed on. And I, I'm interested, I'm interested in it. I don't know a whole lot about all of that. The spirit world of sorts. Yeah, yeah. But I think if you're interested in it, you know, with everything, it's an, like, it's an experience. You have to, like, you, you can form your own opinions you can look in a million different places to find information that you're interested in if you're not interested in it that's cool but uh you got to learn a lot about beer yeah (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah so if if you if you're interested in reading this book it is called spirits of amiskeg the wounded heroes of the manchester mills if you search that in our catalog you will find it and you can have it sent to the Merrimack Library, or if you're at another, if you're another G Milk listener, hello, you can have it sent to your library. <laughs> the way you said hello, 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 <laughs> hi, rest of G Milks, how's everybody doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, do you have anything to add, Jenny? Would you be interested in this book to read it? Yeah, I'd be really, I'd be curious. Um, it's also like just making me like replay my conversation with like our director Yvette who like just got back from Puerto Rico and she um she misstepped and stumbled into a tomb and remains were like still in there and it touched her and she was like I mean I didn't feel any bad vibes but Jenny you're sensitive so and I'm like oh okay (laughs) so like I'm wondering if like me going to the museum would be cool and I would love it because I love this stuff or if, if that's right, and I'm just going to be like, <gasps> um. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's, 
I also discovered if staff you, field trip. Oh jeez, I'm also I, I'm all I'm also discovered. Good. Neither of us can speak today. It's Friday. Yeah, but like I'm hiding it better on this. I know. Um. Anyway, so I figured out that if you are interested, you can rent out the Milliard Museum for like weddings, birthdays, other like corporate private events. And I was thinking like it's relatively cheap to okay. rent it out. So like I mean it's fifty bucks for a national park to get married there. That's true. So but if you want like an indoor wedding at like an industrial looking building, it's a cool like Well yeah, and that's definitely a trend we're seeing right now in mm-hmm. the wedding world. Yeah. So that's another <laughs> Bringing option. Bringing in my salon experience. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately we do not offer that in the library pass. We just have yeah. I believe it is with most of our other library passes, it's like four general admission tickets. Oh my goodness, you're gonna make me look. I'm gonna pull a Miss Kathy. <laughs> <sighs> <I, laughs> and oh, so also I should mention the Sea Science Center and the Milliard Museum are in the same building. So so you could make a day out of it. Absolutely. We are going to have another episode next time that is not related to our museum passes, but then we will definitely talk about the Sea Science Center because. Kathy worked at the Sea Science Center. I'm yeah. curious to see what she has to say about it. Yeah, it'll be really interesting because all the things I know about it were like coworkers from the brewery of all places. Um, they they had told me about uh, their experience working there, and I'm wondering because Kathy was there as an intern. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how that would compare. Yeah, and my experience is I went there as a child. So <laughs> the only thing I remember about the Sea Science Center is that my parents let me and my brother get those, like, I'm dating myself here, but those, like, aquarium tubes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those, like, yeah, plastic tubes filled with slime and, like, little creatures. <laughs> like, yeah. little plastic things. But they were dinosaur-themed, and we played with them all the way home in the car, and mine exploded. Uh, yeah, and if you were in the library yesterday, <laughs> I had the Sea Science Center loop on our TV down here, mm-hmm. and it was actually a Lego recreation of the Manchester Milliard. Yeah, I think they have the largest Lego recreation of mills That's in the country. That's what I was seeing. Yeah. Okay, I finally found the thing. Yeah, okay, so, because not all of our museum passes get you in for free. Yeah, but some this of them are is, discounts. Right, this one is admits up to four individuals free of charge. Okay. And that's and you have to get a separate one to go to the Sea Science Center. It's not for both. Right. Also they're very specific about where to park, so just as a heads up. Yeah, guys. the parking, I went to UNH <laughs> Manchester. Oh girl, the parking is <laughs> oof. It literally says all guests are asked to use only the commercial street entrance to the building. Yeah. And it's... remain only on the first floor during your visit. So I don't know what they're hiding. The parking situation in the mill yard in Manchester. At times the entrance may be locked even during our open hours. Oh. That's uh, creepy. If you are trying to visit the museum during our normal operating hours and the exterior door is locked, please call the museum's main line. They elicit and someone will let you in. <laughs> oh, I wish Michelle was here. <laughs> Michelle hasn't talked about this, but she loves the Twilight Zone. Uh, so, yeah, I hope you guys... Oh, you have another thing to add? Yeah. The Sea Science Center has our pass admits up to two individuals free of charge. Okay. Um, you want a date to the Sea Science Center? Mm, 
listen, me and my ex almost did this. <laughs> the same day, like, the world shut down, we had passes to go to the Manchester Mill Yard in the Sea Science Center. Whoa. Spooky. If that wasn't... <laughs> the exterior door was probably locked that day. Well, you know what? It, it would have been a really good sign. Mm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it... Uh, all good things, all good things. Yeah, the... Do-do-do-do-do. Milliard Lego recreation is based off what the Milliard might have looked circa 1900, including City Hall and then Notre Dame or Notre Dame, depending on the person that you are, bridge, and all built with commercially available Lego bricks. Do they have the exploded mills in there? Probably not. They're not trying to traumatize kids. That's well, when you go downstairs to the Manchester Milliard Museum. <laughs> Okay, no, but it's well, super educational. Yeah, it is. And I <laughs> And it's important because it's, it's like it's, it's the yeah. stuff that like really truly did build it built so much of New England, all mm-hmm. these factories and mill yards. Yeah, like, and there's also there was mills in Nashua mm-hmm. and in Allenstown there's yeah. a huge mill yard. Yeah. Because that's like right by where my friend lives. Mm-hmm. So it's great. It's great that we have this resource very close to us. Absolutely. And that we have resources for our patrons to go and explore if you're interested. So I hope you guys enjoyed this first installment of our exploration of our museum passes. And now we know lesson. why Sam doesn't let Jenny on the podcast too often. Oh, no, it was fun. We're going to have Jenny on again next time. Luminizing glass stuff. Also, I have to do my obligatory shout out, Michelle. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> I said last time that I was going to shout her out every episode. So there you go, Michelle. Thank you for listening. And thank you for listening, everybody else. Please let us know if you go to the museums because of this conversation or you're just interested in it. And our conversation did not turn you away <laughs> from it. <laughs> And uh, if you have any comments, questions, ideas for episodes, let us know. Let us know in the Facebook comments of the Facebook posts on this when it goes up. You can let us know through our other social media channels. We have an Instagram at Merrimack, L-I-B-N-H. And we have a Twitter, which I think is the same handle. And you can email us at youthservices at MerrimackLibrary.org. I forgot my own email address. Or Jenny. (laughs) Or Jenny at MerrimackLibrary.org. J-E-N-N-Y at merrimacklibrary.org. Yeah, so that's it for this week, guys. Join us next time for a very special episode with Jenny. Oh, special episode makes it sound sad. <laughs> well, the 80s it's, and 90s. it's just, we can't talk about it yet, but it's... No, a, it's the Fluminizing Glass Award list, and I'm excited about it. Okay, we can't can talk, talk about, about that it. part. Okay, I just well, can't drop the names yet. Jenny is announcing the Fluminizing Glass Awards next time, so we're very excited and there's a lot of really good titles in there. So. Oh, boy. Lots of great titles, and I can't wait to share all of them with you, and I promise I'll be better behaved. <laughs> okay. Okay, we'll talk at you next time. Bye.